I Hear You podcast with Reverend Odell Cleveland and myself, Alex McFarland. We are back and we welcome you to the podcast. We've got an exciting show today and a, a guest that I'm just thrilled for everyone to meet. But I do want to remind everybody that you can uh, like us on social media and the website for the show is show. and there's all kinds of good information and other things there. We'll circle back and talk about that in a few moments. But my friend Odell, good to see you. I've been traveling, and so it's been a few weeks since you and I could visit together. Yes, good to see you also, Alex. You know, it's interesting that all the positive feedback that we're getting from the show, and it's just taking off. Can you think about it? How long have we been doing this now, man? From an idea to here we are to guess what? We have our first guest today, and we're definitely excited about that. Well, I am super pumped about that, and and I am grateful for all the people that are listening to the show and forwarding the show. Uh, You know, Odell, since you and I last recorded, I've been in Columbus, Ohio, Colorado, and Texas um, speaking in a number of places. I got in pretty late last night at the Greensboro Airport, but people are starting to come to my speaking events because they hear the show. And everybody's asking, where's Odell? And I want to meet Odell. And I said, I got to bring him with me. So, uh, yeah, there, there's some traction happening. Who are these people who want to meet Odell? I got to meet Odell. Why do they want to? What's the motive behind meeting Odell, Alex? Well, they, they've met Alex, and that, I guess, was a letdown. So ah. then now they want to meet you. you know? But, no, we, we're grateful for people listening because, you know, we talk about topics that we think are pretty important. And uh, it is a special day that we have our first guest, and I'm very glad about that. And so uh, I want to say, uh, Rabbi Joshua Ben Gideon, welcome to I Hear You. Thank you, Alex, and thank you, Adele. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah. You, you and I did a television show, part of our Truth for New Generation filming some months back. And um, so how's everything? Um, wow, it's a crazy world, all the pandemic. And I know you're helping lead a congregation here in Central North Carolina so uh, what's your world been like since you and I last visited? Oh, thank you for asking. I think like most rabbis, imams, and pastors of congregations, we've just been trying to really be the good shepherd over these past months and keep everybody together to keep the, the synagogue, the church, the mosque going and creatively trying to keep people together, meet the people's needs and try to make it through this time and just thanking God and, and very um, happy to be at this point where it looks like we're going to be able to um, go back towards normal. You know something else? Let me jump in for a quick minute. I met this young man he, uh, a couple years ago when he first got here. We were doing scripture study together at Green Coffee off of Battleground and just amazed with him coming in and just how it is because I just got used to the last rabbi, you know, there and now is another rabbi and everything else. So it's working well. But let me tell you what he did once to touch my heart. In the midst of the pandemic, we're at Mount Zion. We're doing uh, COVID testing, COVID, all this kind of stuff. And him and Bill Goble, another friend of mine, shows up. And it's like, what are y'all doing? You know, you know, it's a pandemic, everything. They said, no, we're coming over to a Baptist church. I mean, imagine this. A white evangelical preacher, Bill Goble, and a Jewish rabbi come over to check on a black Baptist preacher and says, we just want to, we just want to check on you. 
And, you know, a lot of times as leaders, people don't come and check on us. Yeah. You know, they expect us to check on everybody else, but they don't come and check on us. And so I took a picture. I took a picture of the three of us and I posted on Facebook and I said, what do you say when a white evangelical pastor comes over and a Jewish rabbi comes over to visit you and check on you? And it was like, I said, thank you. That post went crazy, man. That yeah. post went crazy. People just... Oh my God, people just loved it because it's just one of those things, just one of those things. So Rabbi, I just want to say thank you. Just thank you for caring enough to come and check on me, the good looking black guy. Thank you for coming <laughs> to check on me. Well, it was uh, a pleasure. And to um, anytime Bill Goebel suggests something, I usually just say yes. because that's Not like, everything, not everything. We not, can't tell it all, but every, you know, but, we love but, Bill, but we can't tell it all. Yeah. Most things. Most things. We were just walking downtown on Elm Street after uh, some of the protests, and we wanted just to just walk downtown and buy coffee and just be normal. And we got to the end of Elm Street, and Bill's like, "Let's let's go see Odell." Okay, let's go see Odell. And we went right over, and uh, you gave us a great welcome and a great tour of your phenomenal church. Wow, kind of easily could fit our (laughs) entire synagogue. In your sanctuary. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting that that was the day after the protests, downtown Greensboro, and the bad thing about it, peaceful protests sometimes lead to vandalism, destruction. So you and Bill walk through the destruction. You and Bill walk through the boarded up windows. You and Bill walk through all that. And in the midst of you all walking through all that destruction, all that racial hate, all that tension, you got to the other end of it and said, let's go see our black friend and check on him, Odell. With that, I will say thank you. Well, thank you. You know, Alex, one of the things about what we do for a living and what God has called us to do. And Rabbi, by the way, you mentioned the name God. I always think, you're going to have to help me. I always thought that sometime that Jewish people didn't say the word God or something like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> you have to help me on that because sometimes it's like, yeah. we don't say God. So I get that all mixed up. So, you know, you're going to have to help me doing the show. Can you say God? Can't you say God? Do you say this and that? But yeah. We'll get to that. No but problem. Alex, you know, a lot of times when tragedy strikes, just like in... Charleston, South Carolina, Mother, you know, Mother Emanuel, yeah. uh, the young man went in there and killed X amount of people, or Rabbi with the Tree of Life, you know, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. or, you know, Alex, the church, I think it was the what, First Baptist Southern Spring in Texas. Yeah. Different cultures respond differently. The way we responded as black people versus the way um, Rabbi, you may respond with the tree of life or Alex, you, you respond, help me understand that. And let's let's kind of flesh that out for the audience because the way we respond with our culture may be different. So help me, Alex. Well, no, let me start with our guest. Do you mind, Alex? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Rabbi, how does the Jewish community respond when the tree of life and stuff like that happen? Help us understand. That's a great question. Um, well, there are two levels of response, right? The first is the immediate. How do we uh, reach out to them and support them? And how do we express our worry, anxiety, um, our anger at something like this, right? And there was a great uh, meeting at Temple Manual of us. And, uh, you know, I think that the vast majority of the people who were there were not Jewish, right? But just supporting um, 
that community and saying this does not happen here, right? That's a, that's the immediate response. The, the long-term response is how do we deal with the issue of security and feeling safe in our institutions? And we actually, as a national Jewish community, we have an organization called SCN, the Secure Communities Network. And believe it or not, the way I parked in your parking lot here was actually dictated to me or told to me by the security Secure Community Network. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait yeah. a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. The way you park in a parking lot coming in. Yep. Wow. So that you, you, you back into the parking spot. They actually tell us to back into the parking spot so that if we need to leave, we can leave quickly, which is a bit extreme, but. No, 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 Alex does that. Alex backs in all the time. I'm the only one, the good looking black guy is the only one <laughs> pulling into the parking lot. You know what, I'm learning something here today, people. The black guy has to figure out how to make a quick getaway. <laughs> Go ahead, Rabbi, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No problem. But the other thing that we know is that the advice they give, and this is why I follow it, um, is really well thought out. It's from the top security yeah. professionals in the country. They work with the FBI. And in fact, um, the rabbi at Tree of Life um, had gone through a training just the week before. Really? Yeah. And he, he says all the time that it was that training that reduced the amount of death and that enabled him to know what to do. Because, you know, in our tradition, if we're coming from a traditional, like a more traditional Jewish community, um, on our Sabbath, I don't carry or use a phone, right? I don't um, use electronics. We leave the lights on or they're on timers, right? The microphones are on the whole time. We don't mess with them. And he was convinced the week before, the week before, to carry his phone on Shabbat and have it with him just in case. Wow. And it was because he had that phone, he could dial 911, he could tell the police where the shooter was, and he knew from the training where to go and how to get as many people out as he could. You wow. know, it's interesting you would say that. So let me ask another question. I'm, I'm asking out of ignorance, not trying to be cute or anything like yeah, that. No, no problem. Can you all carry a concealed weapon? Huh, on Shabbat or at all? <laughs> but I, you know, I'm glad you asked that. I was just about to ask that. So, yeah. at all, um, um, observant Jews can they conceal carry? Oh, I. Well, let me. So I'm just going to finish the the, the previous because I think it relates. Which yeah, is yeah. that I don't carry my phone, but we do have in our building a system. So I now it it makes my people a little uneasy. I wear around my neck a security button. If I hit that button, it's the police are immediately notified they're coming, they're coming right in. Sure. Um, well, if you're in, let me tell you, if you're in Texas, there was a famous case where um, a gentleman was carrying and fell asleep during the sermon. I uh, did not have the safety engaged. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, his handgun fell out and uh, it fired off a shot in, uh, in the middle of synagogue. Uh, that was in Dallas about 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, and in Israel, obviously, people carry all the time, although they usually aren't concealed. It's usually very open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a whole um, other deal. So if, if the issue is concealed versus open carry, um, I don't think there's a difference in terms of how Jewish law would look at it. Yeah. Um, but we're not really actually supposed to carry anything except the clothes that we're wearing mm -hmm. on the Sabbath. Yeah. Right? So we don't, don't carry 
the phone or don't carry other things, right? It's just the clothing. It's kind of the... And anything that would be construed as work, right? Work or that would take you away from the spiritual purpose of Sabbath, right? right? Which is to be with your family, to be with your friends and to be with God. But but when you deal with the anger of the killings, yeah. because the rabbi, folks just wanted to worship. Folks came to the synagogue just to worship, just to worship, man. And, and now someone's targeting them. Yeah. I, I, I know the whole thing of swaps to serve being painted on, you know, we get all that yeah. and we hate it. That's bad enough. But see, being Jewish is not just a religion. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and can you explain it? Because a lot I didn't understand. I didn't understand the fact that being Jewish is not just like me being a Baptist. Yeah. No. No. So that's a great question, and I'll do my best to explain it very succinctly. But um, one way to put it is that uh, whereas Christianity and Islam are religions that have social peoplehood around it. Um, Judaism is a people that has a faith tradition. Wow. Right? So the way you become Jewish is by is one of two ways. Either in a traditional setting, your mother is Jewish, and when you're born, you're a Jew, or you convert. Now, if you're born Jewish, you can believe pretty much anything and Jewish tradition is still going to consider you a Jew. Might consider you a bad Jew, but it's still going to consider you to be a Jew, right? Because there's that belonging, that peoplehood. But uh, if and if you convert, uh, you do have to have a some sort of faith and struggle with God. Um, although, like my friend Jay likes to say, uh, to be a good Jew, you have to believe in one God or fewer, right? Oh, and uh, you know what? I like you. I like you, my friend. I like you too, Adele. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we're we're a people, and that means that we have people coming into the synagogue for all kinds of reasons, um, because they have a sense of belonging. Where when they walk around in the rest of Greensboro, even though they feel at home and it's their home, um, it's not their people in the same way. And there's a culture, there's a sense of shared experience and shared journey that you get when you're together with the community. So that's a a big part of it. Thank you. Alex, you know, a lot of times we hate or we dislike anything that we're not comfortable with or familiar with. It's like food. It's like, how do you like um, this? Well, I don't know. I don't like that. Well, Odell, have you ever tasted it? No, but I don't like it. You, you know what I mean? That kind yes. of stuff. So when you start thinking about it, uh, as we know, uh, Jewish people have been persecuted in so many different ways, just yeah. like other Very people. Sad. So when you hear about the shooting, what did you think? As a, as a Christian leader, what did you think? And then I'll share well, what I thought. Well, my heart it was broken um, because, you know, as, as you said, just people going to worship, people go in to worship the Lord. And it's it's unfortunate that anybody in our society should feel unsafe or I don't know unsafe. if Jewish people say the Lord, Alex, but I don't know. We gotta ask them because I'm still yeah. on that God it, thing. When we get back to the God to that, you says, know it says it in our books. It's okay, okay, it says in the books. Okay. But by you by the way, you know now, Rabbi, uh, we kinda stole your main man. Jesus, you know, sometimes yeah. we you know, we don't say Jesus is Jewish. So just so you know, we stole him. We stole him from you now. We stole him from you. He's our guy now. He's our guy. 
He's your leader for sure. <laughs> okay. Amen. But, but he, was, he's, he was born one of us. Okay. Right? So we got out. That's true. That's true. Um, so, um, hey, what do you think when you see a bumper sticker? This is a famous evangelical bumper sticker. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've seen that. Um, or, or when Odell says, we stole your guy. Yeah. You know, our guy was, was Jewish, of course. I mean, um, how much do, do the Jewish people, I'm sure you, know, you as a clergy know, but the, the average Jewish people, do, do you know that evangelical Christians, true Christians love the Jewish people? Mm-hmm. True Christians revere the Jewish people. Wait a minute. True Christians, bad Jews, Okay, y'all got to help me yeah. out. Y'all got to help because I'm trying to get to um, the Tree of Life killing murders. I'm trying to get to Mother Emanuel murders. I'm trying yeah. to get to when the guy came in Texas and killed these people. Well, let me, How let me do we throw get something our in folks here. to to help on that? How do we help them through that? Because I want to talk about the anger. I want to talk about the bitterness. I want to talk to when folks are mad and they come to you and say, how can they be a God when people could come into the house of God, the house of the Lord, brethren or whatever, and do all this crime and we say, just forgive. Well, well let, let me throw a, a dynamic in here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Rabbi, I'm sure you realize over the last 20 years, there's been a rise of what they call neo-atheism. And uh, I was doing a lot of speaking in the late 90s, well, through the present week, actually. But, you know, we, we decry racism, and rightly so. But one thing that's been in the media and certainly in Western academics that nobody much is calling out is the rise of militant secularism. Okay, I, and I've, I've debated a number of the pop atheists like Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens, I debated on a couple of occasions, um, and Michael Shermer of Skeptic Magazine. Well, about three or four years ago in Washington was a gathering of atheists called the Reason Rally. And Richard Dawkins, who I was supposed to debate, but he... he um, ultimately declined. He was afraid of you, Alex. Uh, We all are afraid of you. I don't know about that. But he told a crowd of several hundred thousand atheists in Washington to mock religious people. And he told, and he really fanned this audience into a frenzy. He said, get in their face, mock them. People who believe in God are subversive. Now, the rhetoric of American atheists has backed down a little bit But here is my point. When you've got people that are uh, on the Internet and maybe they're a pop level atheist watching videos on YouTube, but then they morph into a shooter that goes to a synagogue or a shooter that goes like a Dylan Roof. Um, One one uh, type of hate that must be called out. And I've believe me, I've been in the thick of of dialogue with these people over the last 15 years. There has been an atheism that has grown from mere rejection of God to, in many cases, a seething hatred of any type of religious people, be it Christian, be it Jewish. And I'm not saying every atheist is is a potential shooter. I'm not saying that. But look, we know. There are a lot of dynamics that coalesce. People are loners. People, uh, something switches, and they go from being a garden variety atheist to picking up a weapon and going to Mother Emanuel or going to Sutherland or 
uh, Starville Methodist in Texas. And so one of the things, all of that, and I would love you guys to respond, um, even if people aren't religious, we need to help young people understand many of humanity's greatest achievements came alongside religious convictions and faith. And religion and belief in God is not a bad thing. And uh, I, I call on the secular academic world to stop their persecution of religious beliefs. Well, you know, Alex, one of the things that I look at being the good looking black guy in the room is this. It was a time when black folk and white folk and Jewish folks, I used to consider Jewish people white people and I was corrected that, oh, they're Jewish people, not white. You know, and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I didn't know. But, but let me just go back to this. It was a time when America, the country that I love, would take a black person and hang him or her in front of a crowd, meaning that they would bring a crowd. And in some cases, they would douse them with some kind of oil or gasoline or something to burn them. So it's like we have a fire and we have you by your neck up there and we would lure you down and let the fire catch you, then we'll pull you up. But then our country we love would have postcards of it, send postcards. It's almost like I went to a, a lynching, here's a postcard, like if we went to the Eiffel Tower or we went to we went someplace and we sent a postcard back. So we're sending postcards of people who look like me. So I don't think the hatred that we have experienced in this country is just about religious freedom or folks who don't believe in God. I think sometimes it is the very people who believe in God who has the hatred in them because sometimes one's belief, whether it's Christian belief, Jewish belief, any other belief, you can get to the point where it's just your belief. And everybody who don't believe like you, then something's wrong with them and we need to destroy them. And that's where the danger comes in. That's why I think the danger comes in. So Rabbi, you're a good looking black guy who went to, you know, I had a, I had an opportunity to go to the Hebrew congregation, the St. Thomas mm. synagogue. I mean, I felt privileged to stand on the floor and I preached there for Martin Luther King Jr. And then that Saturday, believe it or not, I did Torah study. <laughs> the Baptist, preacher doing Torah study and it was just, everybody was just so nice. But back to the whole hatred piece, because you cannot, in my opinion, when people are killing your people, mm. everything just can't be forgive them, which is part of what I want to get back to toward the end with with the whole thing of Mother Emanuel. People are like, oh, the black people in Charleston were so nice. They just forgave everybody, gave, man, 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 if I want to say what I want to say, man, Go ahead, help 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 a brother out. Help a, oh, yeah. <laughs> help a, help a brother out. Yeah. Help a black brother yeah. out. Um, wow. Well, I think it all comes down to one word, right? Which is other. Whenever we make somebody else who disagrees with us into the other, and that relationship informs my sense of self, that's a dangerous dangerous place to be, right? And that's. One of the problems that we've seen in the past in terms of Christian theology, right? Supersessionism, which says in a nutshell, right? The Jew is here to prove the Christian to be right. This is what the Catholic Church preached for well over a thousand years, right? That the, we should, in, in Europe, we should protect the Jew 
a little bit, keep them miserable, because that's the sign that they're wrong about not accepting Jesus as a savior, right? And this, ha- it, you can actually, a great book by James Carroll um, called Constantine's Sword, kind of his own exploration of this as a former priest going through Jew- Christian theology and Catholic theology and, expl- and explaining that, right? And the, one of the extreme examples of this is that until the 20th century, the beginning of the 20th century, if you wanted to become a Jesuit, you had to be able to prove that you had no Jewish lineage for three generations preceding, right? So that's other, right? That is so other because it's saying it's so dangerous to us that you can't even have three, within three generations, you can't have a relationship who's a, with a, a person who's Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. And in Islam, in, in the Muslim world, Jews were called dhimmis, right? They were this kind of protected class as long as they were second class, right? Yeah. It was all good. And it was fine as long as their synagogues were small, you couldn't find them, as long as they paid their taxes, and as long as every once in a while, you know, there was some violence against them and they didn't really do much about it. Meaning keep them in their place. Exactly, right? So I can, I can kind of relate to that. I, I've heard that song before. And that, exactly, right? And I think that um, we see, and I agree with you, Alex, about um, any kind of um, attitude that doesn't accept another person as they present themselves and, and wants to live their lives, as long as it's not a threat to others, right? And so I've counseled a number of Jewish students through college, including my own daughters, um, when they have to have a conversation about, I gotta miss a class because of this Jewish holiday. And it's gotten to the point, like, I know when I was, I think we're all kind of roughly in the same generation here. Like, it was no big deal if I told a professor I've got this thing. They were respectful. They were cool. Nowadays, they have professors who make fun of them. Wow. My my daughter, this is hysterical. My daughter's at Brandeis University, a Jewish-funded university. And one of her professors was giving her a hard time because she had to stop working on Friday afternoon to get ready for the Sabbath. At Brandeis. At Brandeis University. That is surprising. But at the same time, Alex, I think I've seen it on the other side as well, right, where uh, religious people say that non-believers are the cause of the evil, right, or that non-believers are the ones who are going to lead us astray too. And I think that it's um, both are kind of the flip side of the the same coin, which is otherness, right, when we... We look at someone who's different from us. Can we relate to them as we are here around this table in such a yeah. beautiful way? Uh, I, I do think it's important. Another topic for another day that we help young people and upcoming generations understand that, you know, one of the beautiful things about America, although we've not always followed it, but we were based on morals. You know, we were uh, from the Declaration to the Constitution. It presupposes what they call the Judeo-Christian moral code, which includes respect for human life. Thou shalt not murder. And so uh, um, we, not not to demonize any one person or try to create a straw man, but I will say, having spoken on the subject of God and religion at a couple of hundred American universities, there there is a certain contempt for religious beliefs among secular academics. And, and I think there's some negative repercussions from that, that Many of the self-assured agnostics 20 years ago didn't see coming. Because, I mean, you look at the shooters, guarantee, I mean, they may have an amalgam of twisted up beliefs, but fidelity to God is not one of them. (laughs) 
it's, it's interesting because you don't want to get into an arm wrestle. I, I, young folks don't even know what arm wrestle probably is anymore between Jesus Christ and Sigmund Freud, you know, that <laughs> whole argument. But one of the things is when you talk about the horrible things that's happened that we talked about with the three different faith communities is what's the motive? You know, what's the motive? Dylan Roof's motive was the fact that he wanted to start a race war. Well, that's that's a whole nother crazy thing. Exactly. It's a race war that's like, okay, where do you go to start to ignite a race war? You go to the black church and the black community. So the black church has been being attacked from, I remember Rabbi, when we went down to the civil rights journey, we went to 16th Street Baptist. And when we went to Israel together, and, you know, you never get to know someone until you travel with them. And we traveled for 10 days together. and We saw significant sites in Israel, Jewish sites, Christian sites. Um, I almost said other sites, but I don't want to say that, you know, the word other. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we ate different foods, you know. Um, it was just it was just a beautiful, engaging conversation in the backdrops of some of the most sacred um sites that I've read about for years in my Bible to actually be there. And we're going to try to get Alex to come with us the next time and some of the listening audiences also. So Alex, you're coming to. to Israel with us and you know, you're coming record. there, man. It's, it's different. It's different. Uh, count me in. Count me in. Awesome. And, and when the sooner the better, in my opinion. Let's, I agree. Let's yeah. Go. It's, uh, there's something great about being in Israel together because, um, like you, you said, Odell, um, and one of the things I've appreciated listening to your podcast is that sense of trust and love, even when we disagree, right? And when we're in Israel together and everything is so close, right? It's, there's not great distances between things. So you, you're, you've got proximity there. And I think it helps in the personal relationships too, because we're, we're sitting there in this corner and we're like, well, right there is this place where there was a second century Christian village and right here is where a famous rabbi is buried and we can see both of them from this corner right so that and you got black folk in Israel you got black black Jewish people in there tell me about that I mean I wouldn't yeah, I'm I, like hey you got black folk in the house for sure well that's one of the things that Americans uh, who haven't been to Israel kind of it blows their mind right that there are Jews from all over the world there are Jews in India there are Jews in North Africa from Persia or Iran, Iraq, right? So Jews of every color, Ethiopia, everything across the spectrum. And uh, when you're in Israel, you know, if you've only seen Jews in uh, North America, or even by the way, um, according to some, to some polling, about 10% of American Jews are people of color, right? So, and we have a number of, uh, of wonderful people in our congregation as well who are people of color. So uh, we have that diversity locally somewhat, you go to Israel, it's just right there in the face. And you, you see that, you know what? I can't tell the difference between a Palestinian and an Israeli because they look like, and you, no one's darker than another person. And it's it's just such a, it's a different setting where you see these beautiful different colors all kind of being together. You know, when you go to the coattail, mm -hmm. that experience, Alex, I mean, it's just an experience, man. When the we go the down, coattail? Yes, we go down the there. Western Wall. Oh, okay. As a, as a now, I, I did not know. Why is that called the coattail? It's just a name in Hebrew. Oh, okay. So it's the wall. Yeah, of course. Okay. I was not familiar with that term. But yes, go ahead. No problem. And the good thing about it, when you go there, man, it's just such a spiritual 
you know, just a spiritual experience, man. And we just love it. Just, just love it. And, yeah. you know, I, I always thought I'm one with an open mind, but I grew up in, in the South where white people hated black people and in turn, black people hated white people. And we went through certain neighborhoods, uh, folks would throw rocks at us and all this kind of stuff. I love the fact that God has blessed me to be to the point where I've experienced other people, not in a negative sense, but in a positive sense mm -hmm. that I didn't know. I just didn't know in my ignorance, my bias and my prejudices, that's all I had because that's all I knew. And then when you get a chance to meet people who are not like you and you get to say, well, wait a minute, I was wrong. Yeah. Wait a minute, that wasn't right. Wait a minute, what I learned on grandma's porch wasn't right. And what, what old Uncle Willie told me wasn't right. And the thing about it now that you can have opportunities to correct themselves, and Rabbi, correct me on this God thing, because I always thought that the, the word God, like, can you say God? Y'all say God, you can't write God. Uh, help, help a brother out. No help problem. a brother out, Alex. A brother <laughs> out. There you go. So in our tradition, right, we have, w there's one true name for God. Okay. And that's uh, the, spelled in Hebrew, yud Hey vav Hey. We Can don't you know, say that again, please? Y the, the four letters, yud Hey vav Hey, mm -hmm. um, which if you've seen uh, The Life of Brian, the Monty Python uh, movie, there's a famous, a funny scene where they're talking about um, stoning this person for having said, the word Jehovah, right? Which is not, I mean, that's how the, the, the King James Bible vocalized it, but that's not how it's vocalized because there's no J sound. There's no J in, in Hebrew. Right. Uh, we don't know how to pronounce it because this name was supposedly passed down from Aaron, Moses's brother, the high priest, um, from him to high priest, to high priest, to high priest uh, for generation after generation. And they were the only ones who knew really how to pronounce it. Right. So um, that is the name that we don't pronounce, and that's the name that we don't write unless we're going to keep it, right? But anything okay. else, pretty much, I mean, there are a couple exceptions we've expanded out in Hebrew, but certainly anything else in English or any other language is considered to be kind of a nickname, and it doesn't have the same kind of weight. So um, you can say God. You okay. can, I say God all the time. Um, you can say the Lord. Um, we can say the Lord? Yeah, I mean, it's... So help me on the circumcision thing. Uh, the circumcision came, thing. Yeah, that circumcision thing came from you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's Abraham, right? That's, okay, help us on that circumcision thing because <laughs> I had to be circumcised before I got out of the hospital. My son had to be circumcised. My yeah. grandson had to be circumcised. Is We see it as a Christian thing. Really? Yeah. Alice, how do you see circumcision? Oh, Abraham, I mean, that was the, the sign that they were part of the, the lineage of Abraham. They were sons of the covenant with God. Exactly. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So Abraham, right, he goes through a number. Actually, first his, his name is Avram, right? And then okay. it becomes Avraham. Mm -hmm. um, and he goes through a number of different attempts to kind of make this covenant with God. Probably a little insecure since he was the first one, right? And he also was hoping for the promise of that, which was children. Um, so there are a couple other incidents you know about in Genesis about yeah. making this covenant. But this is the one that apparently stuck or <laughs> or or cut it yeah. so to speak or cut it yeah, yeah. So, so so what do y'all call it because i know it's a oh, yeah. ceremony and only certain people can perform the ceremony it's oh. yeah it's called the brit milah which is the covenant of circumcision mm -hmm. and uh it's uh done by someone who's trained to do only that 
uh, a moil. Moil, exactly. Yeah. Or mohel in Hebrew. Go ahead, Alex. Go yeah. ahead, Alex. Yeah. Oh, Alex is oh, rocking it. Oh, oh, Alex. Now, no. now is, is the, the Jewish, it was, that's a Jewish clergy that performs the circumcision. Yeah, right? they're like a very specialized. Yeah. Role, right? with, get, with special tools, right? You have to have like special tools. You just can't go get a butter knife. Oh yeah, no. They have, you know, they have a whole surgical kit they use. They sanitize it in all the right ways. Yeah. And, uh, and they're and they're usually very good. I would, I always advise families, you know, if you're thinking about having a doctor, because some people think, oh, I'll have a doctor do it. That'll be better and safer. It's like, doctors do this every once in a while. A moil does it all the time. It's all they do, and they're usually very, very good at it. Um, so I, I grew up in the project, so public housing. So I don't know who did it, <laughs> who didn't do it. Yeah. But let me say this. A lot of times with bias, prejudice and stereotypes around different people, have you ever felt that just because you are Jewish or you are a rabbi or mm-hmm. you wear the help me make sure I don't want to say the wrong thing because I understand the consequences are still consequences. What's it called? The kippah or yarmulke? Yeah. There you go. I was going to say yarmulke, but you said, do you think people look at you differently when, when they see, I mean, help me, or yeah. sometimes I've, I've been with uh, these interfaith trips and we went from uh, Israel to Palestine to go over to um, Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yeah. I've seen folks take it off not to be a target. Yeah. Help, help us on that because hatred is hatred no matter if it's in America or Israel or Palestine or the rural South or hatred is hatred. Yeah. So let me separate it out into two different issues. One is feelings and the other is safety. Wow. Right. And -hmm. I was thinking about this topic. Actually, I was listening to your uh, your your uh, podcast on cancel culture Mm -hmm. and it was. I was kind so of, you're a fan. You are a fan, fan of Alex and Odell. He's Absolutely. a fan, Alex. And Listen, I, I knew I liked you, but now <laughs> I really appreciate you. Okay. So, Alex, we're going to go down to Texas and buy, buy me some boots at some point. Okay. Yeah, we're going to do it and have brisket. There you go. Um, so I was reflecting back on my own experiences, which were of, of anti-Semitism or like being picked on because I was Jewish, right? And I remember one of my first jobs uh, – the only place I could walk to and get a job was McDonald's. And I was high, a senior in high school. And someone said, I, this is a, the edge of the suburb going to the rural area. And someone from the rural area who I worked with uh, said uh, something about Jewing someone down. Wow. Right? Wow. And I, I was just kind of shocked. Right? I never, I don't think I'd ever heard that before. Um, I, I knew about it, but I'd never heard it before. And it definitely made me, even though, I felt secure, right? It made me feel uneasy. And while I was thinking about that with the cancel culture part was um, today, if someone said that to me, I would laugh it off. It would be, I mean, I would maybe talk to them about it, but it wouldn't make me feel any different, right? Yes, sir. But for so many people, um, especially people of color, uh, to hear some of the terms, to hear those things just used, even if it's an explanatory way, it makes you feel less than, yeah. right? Because it's this reminder. And I think that's one of the things we got to be considerate of, right? So when it comes to that kind of stuff of wearing a yarmulke or a kippah in public, um, I, you know, I've never had a problem. So I don't know if that's because of um, how I look, what I do, I don't know, but I've, I've never had a problem. And the only place I've had to take it off is actually in Israel, which is kind of ironic. Really? In what context? In the context of safety. So when we go into Bethlehem, into a Palestinian area, 
Um, because the kippah I wear can be seen not as a sign of religious um, observance, but one of political affiliation, oh, okay. um, especially yeah. by you know Palestinians who, mm. for whatever reason, I don't think we should get into that here, but are certainly limited in their in their own sovereignty and, and mm -hmm. live in a way, especially in Bethlehem in certain places where it's, they're under pressure, right? And so the, the kippah I'm wearing can be a sign of that oppression to them. So that's, right, okay, well, I'll put on a baseball cap. It's no big deal. But the other place was actually going onto the Temple Mount. Yeah, oh, my word, yeah. Right, so I, and I didn't, wasn't even wearing, I knew I couldn't wear it going up there because it's such a sensitive topic, um, you know, that the, in Israel, each religion controls their own uh, religious sites. Right. So the Waqf, which is the uh, association that runs all the Muslim sites, controls the Temple Mount, Israeli military is controlling security from outside, right? But they control what goes on up there, and they don't allow for a Jewish person to pray on top of the Temple Mount. And this is a big issue, but it's one that Israel respects, um, is you know, and, and keep in, in the, the security people look yeah. for any Jew who they think is going up there to try to pray. And again, the yarmulke that I wear is seen as the sign of someone who would want to do that. And so I wasn't wearing it. It was rolled up in my backpack, right? But going through my backpack, the security found it. And they're like, uh oh, wait a second. And I had to go through about five or 10 minutes of conversation about, no, I'm not that kind of a Jew. I'm an American rabbi. And it's, it's there, right? But I had to take it off. So that was for security or for respect. But here, you know, I'm a secure enough person that it, it's not really something that would threaten me or make me feel bad. I would just talk to the person. But people who are younger, people who are less secure, you know, for sure, it makes them feel off. You know, it's interesting you would say that on our show, I Hear You, because we're trying to get an understanding of different people's perspective, whether it's a culture, whatever it is, so that why someone does something is a reason behind it. And if not, if we don't understand the reason, we fill in the blank with Odell's wearing a mask because he hates all Republicans or Alex won't wear a mask because he hates all Democrats or something like that. And you submitted yourself to say to authorities, Jewish authorities, that I'm going up here, but I'm not that kind of a Jew. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting that I don't think we always appreciate America in the freedoms that we have in America till you go other places. But at the end of the day, we have to have some tolerance. We have to have, we have to give each other a little bit of room to back up. That if we yeah. make a mistake, we have to give each other some room to back up and say, oh my God, I didn't know I stepped on your shoes. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Now, if we meant to, that's fine. And also we have to tell the truth. I think we have to tell the truth. And what I love about my brother Alex is the fact that we can agree to disagree, mm -hmm. but we can tell the truth. Yeah. We can agree that we're, I'm better looking than he is, you know, and we can agree on that. Uh, but, nobody but like, would dispute you that. You know, but, but when you took your yarn cut off, is you, you got a bald head like me. So, you know, Alex got the hair. He's got Alex much, is the hair man. He got us beat hair. on the hair. No hey, man, living at the foot of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got to ask you this. Um, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Anti-Semitism, it seems like, is one bias that is allowed to go by unchecked sometimes. And that, that grieves my heart, um, that it, it seems like, like 
jokes about Jewish people, animosity about Jewish people. And in speaking at universities, I've had Muslim students, uh, and I mean, I try to be respectful and tolerant of everybody, but uh, you mentioned me at the Temple Mount. We were in there six years ago at the Temple Mount, and uh, there were these greeters or tour guides or something saying horribly unrepeatable things against Jewish people there at the Temple Mount. And um, so have you ever had an imam or a Islamic person say, hey, we don't hate Jewish people? I mean, do, I, I don't see the Islamic world being called out for their anti-Semitism. Could you speak to that at uh, all, Rabbi? That's a great question. You know, I ha it makes me think of a story in my life, which is that when I was in Fairfax, Virginia, 15 years ago as a, as a starting out rabbi, 17 years ago, um, my dentist was a woman from Syria. Okay. And the dental hygienist who worked with her was a woman from Iran. But it's only in America that hmm. I could have a two Muslim Denti uh, dentist and hygienist working on my teeth and we could talk to each other about these wow. things, right? So in America, I've had incredible experiences with Muslim leaders um, working together on projects. Um, in the I was in Northern Virginia in 2003 to 2008. And in the wake of 9-11, the federal government actually gave Fairfax County because it was one of the sites, right, because of the Pentagon, yeah. um, money to do interfaith work. And so for five years, the five years I was there, I helped to steer a group of um, a few mosques, a few churches in, the, in our synagogue in uh, interfaith conversations. And I got to meet imams from um, all over the world, from Afghanistan, who we're actually still Facebook friends with. And I got to tell you, actually, um, he was the first person after the Pittsburgh shootings to be in touch and to say, you know, this is wrong. And I'm so sorry. I was my heart was broken to see this. Wow. And so. Great opportunity because it's here. hard because it's hard to hate up close because yes. you have a relationship. relationship and that's exactly. But sometimes we don't want to want to have the relationship. So go ahead. I'm sorry, but I just I mean you just fascinates me with these experiences because I'm still an open book. I'm trying to learn. Yeah, me too. I think that's what our job is to do throughout life, right? But I've never had that opportunity in Israel. To uh, I've certainly had the opportunity to converse with with people who are Muslim. But I've never had the opportunity to be in conversation with a, an imam or a, a religious leader in Israel because that's so political and it's so a different plane. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I have a friend who's a, a rabbi in London, and just a couple years ago, he was at his club, you know, his, his athletic club, kind of getting ready for yoga class or something, and some guy who's like just said something about like put him down as a Jewish person and as uh, something about Israel. And I think that um, that is one of the hatreds that's allowed to um, go by and not be challenged yeah. in, in cultures that are otherwise wouldn't tolerate it from anything else. But there's this accepted kind of othering of Jews, mm -hmm. um, even like in, it's famous in British culture, especially in higher British culture. Um, but we see it in a lot of places. Wow. Well, I, I want to say how much I appreciate you coming on the program. And one thing that, that I want to do is um, continue to role model and message to young people. Relationship helps get us out of our bubble, you know, and it's always good to get out of our bubble because when you meet people, you know, 
we talk about in the abstract and hypothetical, but when you meet people, you're like, wow, um, I like this guy. Um, I want to make friends with this person. And so we're getting out of our bubbles. You know, I've said this ever since I was a kid. Uh, Nothing beats a good conversation. Um, I got my beliefs. I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Um, But conversation, I learned so much from this man. I really do. I'm learning from you, Joshua. I I just want to encourage people, get out there and make friends with people who are different than you. Get out there and make friends, and you're going to find it is very enriching. Amen. 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 You know, it's interesting. It's like when I hear amen, I'm like, you know, is it, boy, this whole religion thing on we steal from each other or we borrow from each other and appreciate that. I got to tell you, Joshua <laughs> says amen. Hey, the, the, ba- the white Baptist here is about to pass the plate. Oh, so, yeah. no, 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 no. Joshua's <laughs> don't pass the plate, Alex. They do dues. They don't pass the plate. They oh. don't pass the plate. Okay. All right, so you want to do good in that. It's a good sermon. So no I shouldn't pass the go. collection plate. Yeah. So, so Rabbi, close us out, and then Alex will close us out with your final words. And just let me say to you, how much I respect you, how much I appreciate you. And I just thank you for being the person who you are. Yes. Just thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, I'm here because I respect and like both of you. And I've learned from my relationship with with each of you. Um, I agree with your mission also. I think this is very important. It's one of the reasons I love Greensboro. I've been in other places and this is a special place where we can have these conversations and be in relationship and it's encouraged. And supported, so I'm I'm all about that. And actually, I think it would be wonderful if maybe separate from the podcast, or maybe we can work this out. I would love to have a panel conversation with you both um, at my synagogue, because I think there are a lot of Jewish people in that synagogue who would benefit from hearing directly from an evangelical white person who they maybe never had a conversation with before, or at least not in this way, and with a good-looking black man. There you go. I was waiting. I was waiting. waiting. <laughs> yes, we would love to take you up on that invite. Hey, this has been I Hear Ya, and you can find us online, the website I Hear Ya, that's with a Y-A, I Hear Ya dot show. Uh, we want to say uh, how much we appreciate our wonderful panelists, Joshua Ben-Gideon, and uh, Reverend Odell Cleveland, who you can find at Mount Zion Baptist Church. My name is Alex McFarland. We love you folks. Thank you for listening. God bless you in all things. And thanks for listening. Please forward, please like, and be in online for the next I Hear You podcast. I hear you, Alex. And just thank you. And Rabbi, I hear you. I hear you, Odell. God bless you, my friends. 